And then the last week of the retreat uh, I spent in Thailand, and I just heard it just very shortly before the retreat started, but was able to kind of get it all done before I went into retreat, <coughs> book the tickets and make all the arrangements. And... You know, if you have heard, I was in, invited to receive this award for Outstanding Woman in Buddhism, and Ayanana Bodhi has received it in 2008. It was just at the very beginning when, when we came for the first time here to America, and, <coughs> and we were very busy, so she couldn't actually go to Thailand to receive it. So I just thought this time I'm going to go and support the, those women who actually have created this award 11 years ago. And one of the main two people who do that award is actually an American bhikkhuni we know from many years ago from Amaravati because she was a, a novice with us for like a year or so, isn't mm -hmm. it? And then actually she wasn't accepted to stay, so she, she left and, and she went to Thailand and, and then she's met another, her name is bhikkhuni Dr. Lee, she has a PhD, I think, in geography, and and then she went to Thailand and became a started to be a teacher there, and then became a bikuni, and together with a, a Thai bikuni, her name is Ratanavali, she, um, you know, came up with this idea, outstanding woman in Buddhism, <coughs> and they just hooked it up with the International Women's Day, and you know, to give it a bit more kind of standing, and mm -hmm. it was. The ceremony happened in the Chulalongkorn University, and it was actually quite nice. I posted some pictures on Facebook, so if you want to have a look. There's one very, very lovely one of a substitute in the Kuan Yin Temple, mm. peeping out amidst these many beautiful white Kuan Yin ceremonies. Yeah, the first, ni the first night when I arrived, we were picked up and, and taken to a, it's called Kuan Yin Bodhisattva Hall. It's a Mahayana temple in Bangkok. And it's founded by a very powerful woman. I mean, she was there, a bhikkhuni also. She's Thai Chinese. And I think she ordained when she was already in her 40s or so. She's now in her 80s. And she obviously has a lot of karma with uh, wells because she attracts so much money. This whole monastery is chock-a-blocked full with statues that are made out of white marble, like about, mm -hmm. I think, about three, 400 statues, like wow. 100 or so, just Kuan Yin's, you know, some are mm -hmm. higher than that room. It was just so amazing. I was so surprised. So it was very lovely to come in this very feminine place, you know, after the retreat. And my first day back to Bangkok, I haven't been for 15 years in Thailand and have, I've lived there for five years. I was very shortly married with a Thai man and had a lot of experiences in Thailand. So it was, it was kind of interesting how it will be, you know, to go back after such a long time. So, and yeah, I met Cherry there at the Kuan Yin Bodhisattva Hall, and we stayed for one night. And then all of the awardees, you know, arrived there. And there were, like, lay women and ordained women. And uh, there was a, um, a lay woman teacher from Switzerland, a German, uh, German Swiss. And some of her disciples, I think four of her disciples from, uh, from Germany, and then there was a, a Bhutanese Samaneri who lived in in, um, in Malaysia with her sister. She's a, an Indian 
<coughs> women they were both like uh, in a non-sectarian Tibetan tradition. They were very lovely with them. I had a very good contact as well. And then there were um, a few Thai lay women, you know, like nurses and, and alternative doctors who also received their award. Fifteen women received the award, not only, you know, for being a, a, a Dhamma teacher, but also people, you know, who have shown exceptional care and compassion for other people. They get also invited. And then like a 70-year-old, uh, very rich Thai lady who has a factory for fish sauce and, and curries or something. And she got the award as well because she's put a lot of her money into um, supporting HIV work in Thailand. Yeah, so all kinds of, a total mix of women, you know, it was very, very <coughs> lovely. And then there was uh, a bikuni, we know, an Amer African-American bikuni, mm -hmm. we know. Her name is uh, Dr. Panyawati. She also came, she was selected, you know, to hand out the award to everybody. Mm -hmm. um, and who else was there? Yeah, and then there were from Tikna Dance community from Bangkok, there were about 30 bikunis came and did some... You know, there was like different people came and did chanting on the stage. Like there were these 30 bikunis from um, Dignatan and then a big group of uh, Thai Mechis. Mm -hmm. and, and their head nun also received an award. She, was, mm -hmm. she lived a long time in America and was married with an American man who passed away and then she returned back to Thailand you know, to share what she has learned with the Mechis. So she received an award as well. She was probably in her 70s too. And then there were a, a group of Burmese nuns, <coughs> you know, who live on the border between Thailand and Burma. They, they came as well. They were pink and orange. They looked really nice. And there were <laughs> a whole group of, of Thai school children, you know, quite small ones, maybe like not 10 years old. Boys and girls, they also did chanting and in English and in Pali. Wow. It was That's sweet cool. also. And... Yeah, so that that happened in, in, in the university. I, I hope I haven't forgotten anybody. Yeah, and outside then there were like big, big uh, installations, you know, where there were everybody's photo and bio and mm -hmm. so on. It was done quite well, I must <coughs> say. And, and then after the ceremony on that day, you know, we all received like a, some, how do you call it, a plaque? You know, mm -hmm. a plug and and a thousand arm chain resi. You know, like I don't know if you've seen it in the kitchen, like this golden thing. Yeah, chain resi is the bodhisattva of of compassion, and the thousand arm he has thousand arms and thousand eyes because you know he sees all the suffering in the world and helps everybody. So I thought that sounds like a lot of work, you know, but <laughs> I'm I'm alright. I'm alright. I can do, I can try. <laughs> so. <laughs> So then we were picked up with a bus and we went to Rayong, to this international women's meditation center, which was founded by the big, those two bikunis, you know, mm -hmm. who have uh, created the award. And on the way, and Jerry came along as well. And on the way to, uh, to Rayong, we stopped over at a forest monastery of a, of a quite influential Thai Mechi. It looked like, I didn't know, you know, how it would be, but... It was near Chonburi, which is like about two hours south of Bangkok. And 
it was just in the middle of nowhere in the jungle, so the bus had to go very much off the highway to get there. And she obviously also has an amazing karma with wells because it was totally over the top as well, everything there. <laughs> so all of us, we, we stayed there and had some drinks, and, and, and then she walked us around her place, which was extremely beautiful. You know, parts of it was made like in a very old Thai-style houses and so on, really, really beautiful. And then from there on, we, we drove to this International Women's Meditation Center, and that was very, very simple. They obviously don't have any karma with wealth there. <laughs> so we, and then Cherry and I, we suddenly had to share a very, very tiny kuti. You know, we slept on concrete. It was really very the opposite from what we have been saying before. But, you know, we said we are very much suited to travel together because we could, you know, whatever happened, we were just... Uh, able to you know go with the flow basically, mm-hmm. and then the time in the international meditation center was a little a little bit chaotic I must say because you know they didn't really we had a program but nothing was according to the program and we never knew what's going to happen next so it was very much <laughs> like um, how I remember Thailand so. <laughs> so I remember there was another woman who received an award she was a Sri Lankan woman in her, also in her late 70s her name was uh, Dr. Hema something and she is very much into supporting bikunis and she was one of the you know older uh, influential women who had a lot you know, who have done a lot actually for bikunis in, in Sri Lanka. And she said, you know, that originally it was planned that she might be the first, you know, Sri Lankan woman ordaining it as a bikuni because she has some leadership skills and she has, you know, she's educated and she speaks English and so on. But then actually she felt she wasn't ready. And then another well-known Sri Lankan woman, Ayakusama, she ordained as bikuni instead, the first one. And now I have about 1,000 bikunis in Sri Lanka. Mm. So then we stayed at this place, you know, where, and some of the lay women stayed in a hotel, and, you know, all of the ordained mm-hmm. women stayed at that place. And I forgot there were also three Taiwanese bikunis actually came along. And then, you know, there was this, this kind of program where we never knew what's going to happen next. <laughs> and one day we went on arms round into Rayon, that was very beautiful, you know, and I really noticed that people don't at all have a problem with bikunis in Thailand. They were just, you know, giving a lot of offerings to the bikunis and was no problem. Mm-hmm. And when people saw, you know, they were just asking, you, are you lady monk? Is yeah. the way how they say it, you know? Mm-hmm. And then they were just very respectful or some were asking, you know, are you a bikuni? I said, yeah. You know, very simple people like people who help with the parking or so on, you know. Mm-hmm. I remember there was a man in, in a parking um, place. And he was completely full and with amulets and tattoos, and he looked really scary, you know. And then he said, you know, are you a bikuni? And I said, yes. And he was just, he immediately knew what that was, you know. So I don't think there's a big problem, you know, with the lay people. It's more with the monks, you know, because they don't want to um, have any competition, I guess. So, yeah, then we stayed for two days in this international meditation center, and you know, different um, things happened that people were, like, uh, presenting little talks and so on. And and I also have brought, um, I have brought the reflection I was asked to give also. And I, I can re- later read it out to you. 
And they had also an inauguration of a, of a Tara stupa at this International Meditation Center. Mm-hmm. And that was very auspicious because, you know, after the chanting and everything was done, it started extremely hard to rain, you know, which is absolutely not happening in these months in Thailand because the rainy season starts basically, you know, end of April, beginning of May. So that was quite unusual, you know. They thought it was very auspicious. Mm-hmm. And the word Tara... One translation for it in in, in uh, Thai Pali is actually water, so that was very mm-hmm. encouraging. And they invited, like for the inauguration ceremony, they invited the Rayong Senior Citizen Dance Group. This was amazing, you know. They were like women; they were totally made up, you know, with tons of makeup and very. It's all on Facebook. In between <laughs> sixty and eighty years old, you know, the youngest one was in her sixties, the eighties, oldest one in her eighties or so. So they were doing this kind of, you know, Thai dancing. It was really so lovely. <laughs> it was so funny. And then, to my utter surprise, you know, on the next day, suddenly without, you know, it was all kept secret in the last minute, there was a bikuni ordination happening there. Mm-hmm. And, and because they were afraid, you know, mm-hmm. that something might happen, you know, some people might maybe interrupt it or so. I just found out, like, I think two, three hours before. Mm-hmm. I felt a little bit upset first because, you know, I felt, why don't they tell me, don't they trust me, you know, do they think I'm going to do something, you know. But anyway, and some monks also arrived, you know, because they have to be witnessing monks. And the head monk, he was about in his 90s, you know, he was totally bent over and had like a stick. Mm-hmm. And he had almost no teeth, and the few he had left, they were all red from chewing beetle nuts. <laughs> he was totally... I was very amazed. He was totally in support of it, and he mm-hmm. brought along six monks, you know. Mm-hmm. And then there was this bikuni ordination, six bikunis ordained. Mm-hmm. And the, you know, the yeah. woman who did Pavatini, like in our case, it was Adhataloka, and in this case, it was the, the senior Mahayana bikuni. She was the Pavatini, and there were, there were two more bikunis. And... You know, I wasn't quite sure, you know, what was happening, but because they were there, I just was sure it was all above board. There was no problem, so... Because they came from a very big monastery in Taiwan, those three Taiwanese bikunis. Mm. And then, the next day, there was a Samaneri ordination as well. These Burmese uh, nuns, you know, from the border of uh, Burma, they <laughs> ordained the Samaneris. Five of them. Wow. So... It looks like, you know, this, this Dr. Lee and, and Bikuni Ratanavali, they do a lot of good work, you know, in, in, in handing out ordinations, basically, and making that possible. And, mm-hmm. and they were just like ask, you know, and, um, and they say, you know, if there's Franks, like if there's Westerners present, it just kind of upgrades everything, you know, because Thai people tend to have a lot of respect with Westerners who ordain because they think, you know, Westerners have such good life. <laughs> they don't, you know, if they they give up, they're always all millionaires, you know, and if they were there, <laughs> they must give up a lot of privileges and so on and so forth. So, and then Dr. Lee was asking, you know, if I could, uh, you know, if I could kind of support some of the bikunis by visiting them in Thailand and stay for, with them for some time, because if they have mm-hmm. a farang staying with them, especially a farang who can speak Thai, I can speak a little bit, that that's, you know, that's very empowering for them. Mm-hmm. So next year I'm going to go to India, actually, for another, you know, nuns um, gathering, and I, I'm going to stay 
with uh, one of the nuns there for maybe like 10 days or a week. I'm not quite sure how much time I have. And I also want to visit actually the uh, nuns of Ajahn Chah Monastery. You know? I've already started to prepare that because... I think I'm not going to let them know I'm going to just drop in, you know, because so that they don't have to ask, you know, for permission to receive me. Mm-hmm. So, and Cherry has, has offered to, to accompany me, so I'm, I'm just going to drop in and then see, you know, if I can stay there for a few days. Mm-hmm. Because I think that'd be good, you know, because I have lived with them for several months and I have been, you know, really living just like them, not taking any, any privileges because I have a West, I'm a West and have money or anything, or had money then as an aid precept nun, but I was really kind of taking part in the daily life, working in the kitchen, doing the, all of the same things what they did. So I think they got quite fond of me because of that. And so I think the only thing is I haven't seen them for 15 years, but sometimes we have been writing to each other. Mm-hmm. So I think... It might be good for them, you know, to ex- to see me in these robes. Yeah? Mm-hmm. So let, let's see. And then I thought I might also have an opportunity to go over to Archon Liam and, and, and say hi to him as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I want to take three weeks next, two to three <laughs> weeks next year for that as well. Is that in general? That yeah. So we go, Chile is going to come along and maybe somebody else mm-hmm. from the board. Mm-hmm. And... We have to, it's, and it is in Vishali, this is the place, you know, where the Buddha ordained uh, Mahapachapati. Mm-hmm. It's from the 5th to the 12th of January, that um, meeting, Sakyatita meeting. Yeah. So I look really forward to that, and, uh, and some of the people I've met now in Rayong, they'll also be there. For example, the Bhutanese nun and the Bhutanese uh, Tibetan nun with her sister, they will be there, and... And I don't know if Dr. Lee will be there. So a few people will be there. So, yeah, and then after Rayong, I stayed for the last three days. I stayed with a, a friend of the both of us. Uh, and she was a novice in Amravati for, for, I think, two two years or so. Or more. Or two years or more. Same time as us. She was there before us. Yeah. Mm, she's Thai, but she went to school in, in England. So she has both, you know, both cultures. And... She, yeah, she came to pick us up with her mom and then stayed in her house. And she lives a little bit outside of Bangkok in a kind of beautiful house with her sister. Like they have like a whole kind of, a, how do you call it, an estate or something? Mm-hmm. You know, with several houses with a wall all around it and so on. It was in, in the midst of rice fields, so this was very peaceful and quiet. So mm-hmm. we stayed there. And then we made a few trips, you know, and visited uh, places and... The most amazing place we went, we went to Bangkok into a, into a Wat, and it's called Wat Tepti Taram, the Wat of Heavenly Daughters. And it was built by King Rama III for one of his daughters, and her name is Vilad. And, and in the temple, in one of the halls, there, is, there are 53 uh, bikuni statues there. I have posted some photos on Facebook. And I, I mean, for those who are not in Facebook, we're going to post a, a, a photo gallery on, on our website. And it was amazing. There, were, there was a statue of Mahapachapati again. Like the statues were all about that size. Mm-hmm. And then there were 50 
altogether were 53 statues, 49 sitting and three standing. And they were, each one was individual, you know, with a different hand posture and different how the legs and everything. And one was like holding a, a, a bag and another one was holding a, 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 a cloth. Another one was smoking, you know. <laughs> like it's it's not against the you know it's not against the winner to smoke actually. <laughs> if in Thailand, monks do smoke. Oh. And she had a chillum, you know, but because they don't. It's, it was from the 18th century, yeah. And then some were like crouching down, and some were like holding like this, and other one were all different postures and so on. So I made lots of photos, and. That was kind of amazing, you know. It's from the 18th century, and he built that monastery for her, for his daughter. And I'm not quite sure, you know, if she has been a bhikkhuni or not. There was also a picture of of his of her of Vilad, but in in kind of in royal out because she is like she was a princess and in princess outfit. And you know what's very amazing in in these times, the hairstyle of the royals was for the male and female the same. Very interesting, you know, like shaved up to here and then they had like a punk now uh, like a yeah, mohawk yeah, yeah but a very short mohawk basically like that and he almost totally shaved look very interesting you know yeah so yeah looked really she looked really amazing beautiful woman so but there were not many people coming to visit the statues but and I had a, had a whole explanation of it. Um, like they were made from bronze and and with with a gold leaf on top. So this was an amazing place to be. I, because I'd, I've seen it, uh, I think at the Bikuni Alliance, you know, they have made a, a PowerPoint show, and there was one picture of those statues. But you know, when you are there, it, it's different. And it was a very very beautiful. Um, little temper yeah and yeah and then what did we what else did we do yeah then on the way back from the temper we had a we got in, got kind of into a car crash actually that was not so nice it wasn't kind of too bad but the car was quite damaged and only it was quite difficult to get back home to her place and then the next day we couldn't go anywhere because we didn't have a car <laughs> <laughs> because originally I had I had planned you know, to visit another Bikuni monastery in Nakhon Patom, and but I have been there already 15 years ago, so it wasn't such a big problem. But the headman there is, is a Bikuni doctor Damananda, who is like the most um, involved Bikuni in Thailand. Actually, she was a university professor before she became a Bikuni, and her mother was a Bikuni already before herself. Mm -hmm. Her mother was bikuni for 40 years, the only bikuni far and wide in Thailand. But she was a Mahayana bikuni, so people didn't really, you know, have a problem with that because she, you know, Theravadans tend to look down on Mahayanas because Mahayanas, you know, want to be born again to help all sentient beings. And Theravadas in Thailand think this is kind of not such a great thing. So, but not all of them, but, you know, the kind of the hardline Theravadans, at least, yeah. And, um, and I have also met her mother many, 15 years ago, her mother was still alive, so I have paid my respects to her, and 
but she passed away. I think she passed away just a few weeks after Dr. Damananda received her own bhikkhuni ordination. She just waited, you know, for her daughter to pass on the, the, the work, you know. And actually, there is quite a lot of Mahayana monasteries now in, in Bangkok because the first monastery, it was a, where I stayed, that, that trip was Mahayana as well because there's a lot of Chinese in, in, in Bangkok. A lot of the business people are Chinese, actually. Most of the rich people in Thailand are Chinese. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And also, you know, the, the Prime Minister of Thailand, she is a, a woman, only 44 years old, and she also received the award, actually. But she didn't come in person, but she sent a, a Minister for Culture, who is also a woman, she received the award. And I think that, that was one of the reasons, you know, why everything kind of changed, because of this um, Minister for Culture to come, and then the whole program kind of, they got a was changed. As soon as she showed up in the door frame, you know, everything had to stop. Mm. And because in Thailand it's, it's very much the hierarchy and so on is, is extremely um, important there, you know. And so, yeah, and then on the last day we went to visit uh, also somebody we know both of. Uh, she's a very rich kind of a millionaire millionaire's lady in Thailand who made a lot of money with, uh, with uh, you know, being, making very beautiful clothes and very beautiful uh, art, engravings and, and things like that. And she was a Mechi for about 14 years and many, many times she came to spend the Vasa at Wat Amaravati and now she's in her 80s. So I saw her the first time again uh, as a laywoman. And she was meanwhile sitting in a wheelchair, but she was, you know, she had like a big, she was back to kind of being very well dressed in a very kind of beautiful blue dress with a huge kind of a blue collier, you know, around her neck. And yeah, she's gone really old and she was very happy to, to see me because I, I wasn't even sure if she would be still alive, you know. And I had her phone number from 15 years ago, not knowing if it would be still work, but it worked. You know, she <laughs> immediately knew who I was on the oh, phone. It's lovely to see her. It took us ages to find the house because, you know, it's, we got so much lost in Bangkok. Even when my friend, you know, is Thai, but it's the, the street system is just like, you know, very hard you know, to find your way through it. <laughs> but in the end, we made it. It was very nice. And, and then after staying with her for some hours, um, we went to another place of a very well-known Thai Mechi. Her name is Mechi Sansani. And uh, she has a place a little bit at the outskirts of Bangkok. And it's, you know, she, is a, she has been a, also quite a well-known person in TV and she was a model before. And she, she's very, very good organizer. So she, and she has a very, very rich husband also, who is a, who owns a few of the big hotels in Thailand. So he has enabled her to have the most deva-like realm you, you can imagine. And it's full of uh, amazing, amazing plants. And, and it's just like, you know, really, really beautiful place. Because, you know, it was just a rice field many years ago, you know, when she, when she bought the property. But she has, like, completely 
changed it into a jungle, you know, and brought lots of mature trees and and has established them there and and very beautiful houses and beautiful beautiful um, you know it looks like a wilderness basically and brought in many 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 beautiful stones and it's just really really amazing right, and right in the midst of Bangkok isn't and it? now it's more I mean it's a bit outside but now it's kind of completely you know in the midst of houses yeah it's about the size of it is I can't say no anything here how big it is, but it is like um, you know maybe like a, a small park or so you know like maybe one or two hectares, uh, right? What is that? Acres, 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 yeah. Man, it's not very big, but it's it's really beautiful. And she has about like ten matches staying with her, and one of the matches, she herself wasn't here because matches Anthony. She's now in her late fifties. She she was at a conference actually in in, in Kenya basically, okay. mm-hmm. but one of the of the nuns there she's a friend of mine since many years so she was there, it was very lovely to see her and then the uh, the secretary of Amaravati she also came there, she's also Thai and it was lovely to see her so I could give her some gifts for the sisters in Amaravati it was nice too, and yeah, so that was the Magabucha day. I spent there, and it was really, really, everything was lit with candles, and it was so beautiful, it was, but it was lots of people, so I was quite glad to leave again. It was very full, full with people. So, you know, altogether, I have a very good impression about Thai people and, and bikunis, you know, I don't think at all that it is a problem. I think the only problem is, you know, for example, at, at the ordination, the monks didn't want to be on the photos, so you could make photos only from one side, only from behind the monks, because you know it's still they could still get into difficulties if they go and and witness the ordination, you know. But the lay people themselves, you know, the simple people on the street, they are totally cool with it, you know. So there is mm-hmm. Mahayana and Theravadin in, in Thailand. In yeah, I mean, originally, you know, like hundreds of years ago, there were all three schools of Buddhism in Thailand: Mahayana, Theravada, and Vajrayana. And most of the bhikkhunis are one or the other. No, I mean, in Thailand, you know, the, the state religion is Theravada, mm-hmm. and in Thailand, you know, the the, the 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 state and the religion are very, very strongly intertwined. Right. So the state religion is Theravada, but because there's lots of Chinese also in in Thailand. Then most of, many of the successful business people are Chinese, or at least they not come from a Chinese ancestry. Mm-hmm. That's why there's also quite a few Mahayana monasteries. Mm-hmm. And for example, Diknatan is Mahayana, mm-hmm. and maybe like ninety percent is Theravada and ten percent Mahayana, something like that. But Bikunis, there's now Bikunis, Mahayana, and Theravada. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And bef- you know, for example, you know, the first monastery where I ever have been in the in the late 80s was in the south of Thailand, Achan Buddhadasa's monastery. And for example, in that village there, in the ground, they found a statue of Avalokiteshvara, you know, which is the Mahayana version of the Kuanin. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Kuanin is also Mahayana, but it's the it's but the. It's also the same as your your. Yeah. Your yeah. My award. Avalokiteshvara is the same. Yeah, person. but in in the place of my first teacher of Buddha Dasa's place, 
he had, you know, behind his kuti was a small pond, and there was like a kolium, and on that kolium was a, a, an Avalokiteshvara, just like a two-arm Avalokiteshvara. And that was a copy of the uh, statue they found in the ground in Chaya, which is near Suratani in the south of Thailand. And also, you know, in uh, Burubudua, in, in Java, it's also a Mahayana, a Mahayana. The biggest Mahayana stupa in the whole world is actually in Java. So, you know, the whole peninsula from, you know, from Thailand through Malaysia, Singapore, into Indonesia and so on, that was originally Theravada, Mahayana and Vajrayana. Mm-hmm. And then because of the politics in Thailand, because, you know, the, the religion in Thailand got very much streamlined, I think, in the 19th or 18th century, by King Mongkut, you know, who you all know maybe from The King and I from that movie, it's that mm-hmm. king, you know, who actually, he wasn't, he wasn't sought to become king. He was a monk for 30 years and then his brother died and there was no other heir. So he put down the ropes and became a king. But he was very concerned like about the Buddhism and about the state of Buddhism because monks were not practicing so well at that time and were very involved, you know, in, in shamanism mm-hmm. and but we were very much into kind of, you know, had kind of neglected the meditation and maybe neglected, you know, the original teachings of the Buddha. So he was very concerned that it all gets streamlined. So he founded a second school of Buddhism in Thailand as the Mahanikai. It's about 80% of the Theravadans are Mahanikai sect. And then the Reformed sect was the Dhammayut sect. It's about 20%. And we ourselves, you know, we are trained in a Mahanikai uh, lineage. Ajahn Chah lineage was Mahanikai. Ajahn Buddha Dasa, where I started, was also Mahanikai. But for example, Ajahn Tanisaro Bhikkhu, he is Dhammayut. And you know, the Dhammayut and the Mahanikai, kind of the Dhammayut think the Mahanikai are not really monks and all of that, you don't have to know, but it's kind of, you know, it's not, it has not so much to do with the teachings of the Buddha, but it's it's kind of, Sangha politics, I would say. <laughs> and, you know, and everybody's just always thinking that they themselves are doing, doing it the most in, in, you know, according to how the Buddha said. So, and, so, I don't know anymore what I wanted to say. But anyway, that, for example, that the, um, you know, that the prime minister, the, the new prime minister, her name is, I think Ying, Ying Luk, that she, you know, was, was actually agreeing to receive an award from Bikunis. I mean, that was a big deal, you know, because that meant kind of that she accepts Bikunis, you know. Mm-hmm. This is why it was for them such a big deal that she accepted it, you know. That was good. And I think that that was probably the reason why they didn't have any grants anymore to hold the Bikuni ordination, you know. So it's just like all kind of like a big kind of a model, you know, and, and there's lots of, of things which, which are still, you know, kind of unclear. But what I could really see, the people on the street, the simple people, you know, who give the food in the morning in a bowl, they were just completely cool with it, you know. Mm-hmm. And they were really happy, you know, to be able mm-hmm. to give. Because, you know, you, you just go and they stand, you know, either on their market stalls or in the entrances of their houses, and they have to call you, you know. We just go in and say, Nimon, Nimon, you know, and then you just go. Mm-hmm. So, and there were lots calling us, you know, and 
young men, every, mm. all kinds of people, you know. Mm. It was really, really lovely. Mm. So it was very encouraging. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was really kind of heartening, you know, these, these Burmese nuns, you know, these eight precept nuns, you know, for them to, to get their hands onto an ordination is, is not easy, you know, because mm-hmm. they come from, you know, they can't even speak Thai, basically, you know, and because there's lots of people, you know, who live in the mountains between Burma and Thailand who have difficult situations, they can't really speak Thai, they don't even have a passport, you know, they don't belong to Burma and they don't belong to Thailand, you know, and nobody wants to take responsibility for them, so they often, you know, they are very underprivileged, they don't have much education and they don't have a passport, they... They have to keep quite quiet, you know, because they don't belong to anybody and it's very difficult for them. So I think for them it was real amazing that they got, that they can become seminarians, you know. It was really great for me also to be able to be part of it, you know. It was lovely. Tried. Tried, yeah. Mon, I think, yeah. yeah. And... Yeah, so, and yeah, to my surprise, you know, my tide just came back very quickly okay. because I haven't spoken almost 15 years, so it was great. And I mean, I'm not, you know, very good at Thai, but I, I can speak, you know, like just with uneducated people, I can speak very well, I think. So because I have learned it also from uneducated people, I've learned it from Mechis, you know, in, in the monasteries. So it was, it was really, I was quite surprised how quickly it came back. So altogether, it was a wonderful uh, experience. You know, and on, on then, on when I, I left on the International Women's Day on, on the eighth, and it also the, I forgot to say, you know, when I arrived actually on the airport, you know, normally you have to queue up for you know entering the, the country, but because I had ropes, you know, they immediately took me to. I didn't have to wait anywhere. I went yeah. in through the monks' yeah. entrance. You know, that was really. Even they saw him, and I was a woman, but they were totally accepting of that, you know. Mm. So that was great. And on the way out again, you know, they gave me special treatment. I didn't have to wait. And then, you know, when I had to go through the control and everything, this was really lovely. And then I waited in the monk's waiting room, you know. It was you know, a, a room with a, with a shrine, <laughs> and they gave me some water to drink. Yes. And so. And then I said, you, you, you're very lucky today. It's international woman, and you have a bikuni in your waiting room, you know. And he said, yes, yes, yes. It's very great. So, so it was a very good return for me to Thailand after so long. I feel very kind of, because for some time I thought I'm not going to go back, you know, because all of those stories, you know, which were coming at us that the Thais don't allow the ordination and so on, I just felt just so kind of uninspired. And I really thought for quite some time if I should go, but then I, I went because I wanted to support the, the women who have created the award. I wasn't quite sure, you know, how, how Thailand itself, how that experience would be, because I, sometimes I thought I'm never going to go back, you know. Mm-hmm. But I'm very glad I did, and mm-hmm. and it was really, it was no problem at all. And I'd like to end, you know, by reading out the reflection <coughs> um, I was asked to prepare. And, and it's called, like, The Gift of the Sacred Feminine. And because I feel a little bit kind of under the weather, I, I, I don't think I could do it without reading it out. So I hope you forgive me and I, I read slowly. 
So that was, you know, on the occasion of the uh, award ceremony. So feminine and masculine principles are actually indivisible in each of us. The interaction of these two forces makes up life as we know it, and we all carry both of these energies in our bodies. Generally, a female body has more feminine energy and a male body more masculine energy, but this is not always the case and varies from person to person. However, if these masculine and feminine energies are not balanced, when one dominates at the expense of the other, disharmony and dis-ease are the result. We can find guidance on this interplay in the Tantric teachings of Tibetan Buddhism, which equate the feminine principle with space and wisdom, and the masculine principle with skillful action and compassion. And, you know, the Prajna Paramita in the library, she stands for space and wisdom. And Prajna means wisdom, like Panya in, in Pali. If we are too caught up in action, we tend to lose space, and our minds become small and contracted. We can no longer see things in context, and our actions are out of touch with what is needed. On the other hand, if we are not focused enough and lost in space, spaced out, so to say, we are unable to act skillfully and cannot accomplish anything in life. For a balanced and healthy life, we need both the wisdom and space of the feminine principle and the ability to act skillfully and compassionately of the mas masculine principle. If these two principles work together in harmony, they bring out the best in each other. Left to their own devices, they become disconnected and blunt. I think it is safe to say that masculine energy is dominating our societies and our planet for a very long time now. In the last five to six thousand years, masculine energy in the sense of activity, materiality and rational thinking has become overvalued at the expense of the more intangible attributes of the feminine principle. We can see that in what is happening to our earth and our oceans, the steadily increasing loss of natural habitat and the incredible exploitation of our planet. We urgently need to redefine our priorities and see the links between the oppression of women and the feminine principle in general and the oppression of nature. Vandana Shiva, one of today's leading eco-feminists, explains this very well in her latest book, Staying Alive. She draws a picture of a stream in a forest and says that in our society, this dream is perceived as unproductive if it is simply there fulfilling the needs for water for families and communities until engineers come along and tinker with that stream, damming it and using it to generate electricity. The same is true for the forest. For many, a forest is seen as unproductive if it is not producing something to export for dollar value. Our society has totally lost sight of the many important function, functions of natural ecosystems. Everything is seen in terms of resource and commerce. Actually, a forest protects groundwater, 
generates oxygen, provides fuel, fruit and craft materials, allows habitat for animals and above all maintains ecological balance, all of which are crucial for our well-being and the well-being of many other species. The sacred feminine urges us to undergo a radical revision of our unsustainable value systems, which have proved to be dysfunctional and unable to deliver their promises. Today's consumer society can't even take care of the basics. World hunger kills close to 10 million lives every year, and almost 60% of the victims are children. The feminine principle stands for connectedness and inclusion instead of divisiveness and separation. It stands for cooperation instead of domination and for heartfelt embodiment instead of cool aloofness. The nurturing and sustaining power of space is a subtle intelligence which makes creation possible by being the container for it to happen. Just look at the womb of a mother holding a baby for nine months until it is ready to be born. These intangible attributes of the feminine principle create great power, nourishment and magic, and it is vital not to overlook them. There is so much addiction in our world today precisely because we have lost with touch with that which truly nourishes us. The sacred feminine expresses a mother's tender love and inspires in us such qualities as kindness, caring and gentleness, precisely the qualities we have neglected and devalued because of our exclusive focus on the goals of the masculine mindset. An interesting study at the University of California in Los Angeles has shown that generally speaking women tend to react to stress differently than their male counterparts. Instead of the fight or flight reaction of men, women have a tend and befriend response as a result of an increase in oxytocin, the maternal bonding hormone. While men become more adrenalized and aggressive, women nurture and protect biologically. Grand gestures may be noticed by everyone, but they are not necessarily where wisdom manifests. If we honor only the grand gestures, the skyscrapers and the spaceships, we overemphasize the masculine principle, the energetic side of action, and we lose sight of space. The earth needs our full attention now. We need to work consciously with her instead of treating her as, a separ as separate from ourselves, as a warehouse and as a sewer. So-called rational thinking turns out to be rather irrational once we open to a larger context and see the grave implications of what we have set in, motions, in motion by ignoring our profound interdependence with the natural world and the universe at large. This point in time is an opportunity for us to realize that we are not living on top of the earth, but that we are an integral part of her. Can we trust the greater intelligence of this mysterious unfolding called universe? We are just one part of this process, which has been unfolding over a very long time. Scientists estimate the universe is about 14 billion years old. 
We need to make a mature relationship with life right now and face our feelings of fear and helplessness. As we all know from our teacher, the Buddha, when we fully face difficult emotions, the very emotions themselves will become our spiritual teacher with the potential to make us more wise and compassionate. All we have to do is to be present and wholeheartedly say yes to what is. That's a gateway, a Dharma door. How comfortable are we with the dark and not knowing how to respond? Can we hold that space or do we immediately have to fill it up with activity? Holding space for transformation to occur is the strength of the feminine principle. A confidence in natural processes and in the intelligence of life itself. My first teacher, Ajahn Buddhadasa, has often said that the laws of nature will take care of us if we make an effort to cooperate instead of working against them. The emphasis here is on the process itself rather than on the product, the how rather than the what. This is yet another strength of the feminine principle. When we make the space for wisdom to manifest and follow up by acting on what we know to be true, we will become truly alive. Our creativity wakes up and the unexpected happens. Crisis holds the potential to generate transformation and innovation, unleashing powerful energies and uniting people to achieve what was previously considered impossible. We need to start small and bring our insights into our lives by living and being them, one step at a time, acting on what we know to be true. We need to return to what is basic and simple, what we can't live without. The monastic form is a straightforward container for this, a comparatively simple lifestyle focused on cultivating our greatest potential. Simplicity and cutting through complexity is also a powerful feminine quality, and we need this quality now more than ever before. We urgently need to wake up to the fact that we share this planet with 300 million species, 300 million species, and that we need to find our appropriate place in this delicate network of life, a network of the small. This is a humbling insight but if we each do our little piece, we will become part of the solution. The sacred feminine principle is needed to help us regain balance. She must return in both men and women, if we are to create a more peaceful and sustainable future. I would like to end by sharing a five-point checklist drawn up by the well-known American echo philosopher Joanna Macy to keep us all on track with this great work. So number one is come from gratitude. Number two, don't fear the dark. Don't fear the confusion and not knowing what to do. Number three, dare to vision. Number four, link arms and work together. And number five, act with the authority of your true age, which is 14 billion years. <laughs> May we all rise to the challenge with faith and confidence in our good qualities and in the basic goodness of all that lives. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit 
dharmaseed.org slash donate.